This is 69 The Podcast. I'm Dave Haynes. 69 has been covering the digital signage industry since the dawn of man, first online and now as a podcast. The goal on here is to make listeners aware of interesting companies, smart people, and new technology developments, all of them meaningful in making digital signage projects happen. I try to help listeners understand sometimes complicated subjects and why they should care. The podcasts are free and I try to get a new one out weekly, but things happen now and then. The 69 Podcast has been gratefully sponsored and supported since the start by Jeremy Gavin and the fine folks at ScreenFeed, the digital signage content store. ScreenFeed makes beautiful-looking, totally automated content for signage and digital out-of-home networks. Check them out at ScreenFeed.com. 69 has been around since 2006, and the publication and podcast are now owned by Spectrio, which provides customer engagement solutions for business. You can find them at Spectrio.com. Everybody who's active and experienced in the digital signage space knows the big evergreen challenge for solutions providers and end users is content production. Keeping programming on screens fresh and relevant, but also attractive. A lot of companies in the ecosystem, and not just the software guys, have some degree of template libraries and finished content that can be updated or pushed straight to screens. That's a piece of the solution. But there's also demand for tools that make it easy and efficient to produce good looking material for those screens. In looking over the exhibitor list for the upcoming DSE trade show, I came across Design Huddle and wondered, who is that and what do they do? Turns out it's a small West Coast US startup that has B2B graphic design software that allows brands, agencies, and other platforms to create what it describes as lockable digital, video, print, and presentation templates for their users. There are some similarities to solutions like Canva, but also a lot of distinctions. The one that would particularly interest a lot of tech companies in this industry is the ability to fully integrate and white label the Design Huddle toolset inside something like a CMS. I had a great chat with CEO and co-founder Dave Stewart, who is based, I'm jealous, in Huntington Beach, California. Yeah, there's LA traffic, but it's lovely by the water. Dave, thank you for joining me. Can you tell me what Design Huddle is all about? Because uh, it's unfamiliar to me. Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, I mean, ultimately, we are an enterprise-focused software-as-a-service platform uh, that's focusing on on templating and content creation uh, in an easy-to-access ex- way. Uh, we're definitely API-first, so we have a big focus on platform integrations where our customers are uh, kind of programmatically creating content, but then we're also really focused on end-user experience. So uh, people that are actually you know designing, whether that's static content or promotion content in a browser, being able to really easily... Uh, fill in pieces of a video template or create uh, content really for any purpose. And and what kind of content would they be creating in the context of digital signage, which is obviously what I'm interested in? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, we were actually really surprised. Um, you know, digital we're relatively new to digital signage, and and you know, within the last year, we've had to get up to speed ultimately because a couple of players uh, in this industry came to us and kind of. Um, really expressed, hey, content is a big issue for us, right? We, we can sell these really expensive screens and they're, and they're great, but our customers are just really uh, struggling with, well, okay, what are we going to put on them? And how is that going to look good, right? We can have a great mm-hmm. looking screen without good looking content. And there's a problem. So we uh, just you know, we're, have been educated ourselves on this very recently. And really, uh, it's a combination of uh, you know, things like static content where it's like, hey, I'm just displaying basic information that might be uh, somewhat real time or just informational, and then also motion content for things 
Like uh, imagine signs that are up uh, in, on a football stadium or in a basketball gym uh, where mm-hmm. you're wanting to show basic, uh, you know, animated content that's kind of, uh, you know, talking about whatever the context is for that sport or things like that. So it's been a little bit of everything, but imagine anything that could be shown on a sign. I mean, someone's creating that somewhere, right? Right. So uh, is the, the core idea that you would select from or you being a, the end user, the operator would be selecting from a template library or are they creating stuff from scratch or how, how does it work? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. So we are actually just the software, right? So we're not actually playing in the content game ourselves. We're just, we just make it really, really easy to create uh, content in our platform. And generally that's going to mean importing uh, from existing design files and animation files uh, that you've created elsewhere. So imagine, uh, you know, we can import PDFs and maintain all the layers. So any static content that's generated in any Adobe product or Figma, we can essentially just import it in uh, and maintain that. Any uh, in After Effects, you can now export to a format called Lottie Files, and Lottie Files can be imported into our system. And now, essentially, we can have really rich animations generated in hmm. After Effects that are really easily customizable by an end user and also programmatically via API. Um, mm-hmm. So that's the starting point for most of our customers is generating their content on their side. And so uh, whether they're contracting with an agency or they have a team internally that's building these things, the main thing they're focused on is we just don't want to have to do these custom per customer. Like I was super surprised to find out that some of these, uh, some of the initial interest from us, these, these hardware companies have content teams that are literally generating content individually for their customers. And to me, that was crazy, um, mm-hmm. but they had to, right? Because that was the way they had, they, they were going to sell their, their, their hardware. And so we're just changing that a bit where it's like, well, no, 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 just do that once, right? Generate some templates for them and then let, give them the power, empower them to actually make the changes for themselves or again, do it programmatically for them. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, is this the sort of thing that is best suited to somebody who's already a uh, motion graphics designer, an animator, uh, somebody with quite a quite a deep uh, set of creative skills or m- maybe technical skills? Um, I would say that, yeah, look, a big focus of ours when it comes to who we who we sell to are going to be like definitely software companies is, is high up on that list who have kind of have a, a general system that's trying to do a lot of things and, and specifically in digital signage, right? That might be a CMS or uh, right. you know any of these other acronyms that, that we've come to find out exist here <laughs> where they're trying to do a lot of things, right? We're just mm-hmm. the content piece and we feel like we can really stand out and just creating a best in breed, seamlessly integrated white labeled product that can fit into their platform in a way that it feels proprietary, but adding best of breed, innovative uh, content creation ability. Now, when it comes to who's creating that content, yeah, whether they have an internal design team with some expertise or whether they contract an agency just to initially create them a set of templates, it can work either way. I will Mm -hmm. also say, though, we do work with brands directly, right, where brands are creating branded content that might be shown on lots of screens, um, but they want to empower regular users to be able to make changes to those templates without uh, you know, while, while still adhere, adhering to like brand consistency and their brand guidelines. And so like our locking feature is big in, in that situation because like, look, someone creates a template, but then now anybody can actually make basic adjustments to it. So it, it sounds like it, it's a little reminiscent of what I've been hearing in the last you know year about AI and how generative AI isn't going to really replace designers, uh, but it, it does add considerable layer of efficiency in that you can get you you can remove some of the drudgery and some of the building block stuff and and automate that or 
streamline that, but it's, it's, it's not meant to just take uh, designers out of the equation. Oh yeah, no, definitely not. I feel like uh, we're, we're really excited about AI. Um, and you know, everyone says that, uh, but I'll, I'll get more specific for you. I think um, for us right now, like, uh, you know, we, we actually just sent out an AI survey to our customers to, to try to prioritize the main things that they're really interested in. And for us, like you have the basic stuff, like background removal, like removing background from images, which we already do and background from videos. You have things like speech to text to, the, to provide like auto captioning and things like that. Obviously, generative AI where you're, where you're prompting, you know, via text to kind of say, hey, I want an image that shows this or I want to alter this one image to include this. Right. All those things fit in really well with what we do. But where we, where we want to take that even further is, OK, well, let me generate a whole bunch of uh, template ideas for you that are basic iteration changes from a set of templates that we maybe train a model on, right? So we're actually gonna take all your content you've made and the holy grail for us is let us shoot out and show you a bunch of previews of a bunch of similar looking templates that follow the same kind of uh, styles maybe or themes or layouts, but in new in new ways so that you're actually, you're still starting with the designer that needs to kind of set the, set the standard, but you're able to uh, generate content in a, in a much quicker way, um, you know, and remove a lot of the monotonous activity that's usually involved there. So what would be involved in, in using it? Yeah, absolutely. So typically what will happen is, again, two sides of our business, right? We have a platform side where mm-hmm. we're going to uh, be very, very hands-on with our customers and integrating this into some platform that they already have where there's already users uh, where they need to uh, kind of add on templating or improve some existing content creation suite that they have inside that. And so mm-hmm. we would inherit those users in that they're going to use it seamlessly as part of that platform. The other side of the business is, okay, their turnkey solution where we might work with an agency or brand directly, uh, we white label it and they log into a portal that like we create, but it's white labeled for you on your domain. And the idea is that a user is just signing up and kind of accessing a template in a way where you're just kind of a a distribution mechanism to to provide them content in that way. Either way, it's going to be in the context of a browser, whether that's on desktop or mobile. And and generally, it's going to be filling out a template that someone has gotten you, let's call it 80% of the way there. Okay. So like you were saying earlier, it's, it's not really that you would go in and say, I, I want to do a 15 second promotional spot for a car dealer. And I would go find a template that's seems to be about retail or, or car dealers or whatever it may be. And I can monkey around with that. This is more importing what you already have and, and automating and, and making it much more efficient to do that sort of thing. I honestly, I think it's, I think it's both. Uh, we have some okay. customers that definitely fall more in the former um, for sure, where they have very specific, um, you know, where, where, where they have more generic content that they're trying to reach a lot of people with, and they're creating more generic content that could be used for different purposes while still allowing the user to really personalize it for themselves. But then, yeah, we also have customers that are trying to do it more programmatically. So let's walk through the car dealer one then. Like if I'm, uh, if I'm Bob's Chevolds in Fairbanks, Alaska, or whatever it may be, uh, sure. and, and I want to create uh, five ads for our uh, fall clearance event, uh, and I, I don't have motion graphics animators in, on my yeah. team or anything like that, what would I do? Yeah, no, absolutely. So in that situation, um, again, they're not necessarily like someone that small isn't going to be our customer directly. We're going to inherit okay. them from the fact that they work with some other company, whether that's an agency or they have in digital signers. Let's imagine that uh, they uh, bought a digital sign and part of that came a subscription to some sort of content creation suite. And we just, mm-hmm. the design huddle just so happens to power that content creation suite, right? That would be the okay. scenario where we might be involved with a small business like that. Um, 
And in that situation, that would entail that that agency or that um, the, the hardware company that's kind of created, you know, providing that software suite has created some basic templates for this type of customer, which okay. is exactly what we're seeing happen, by the way. And again, I was very surprised about this, that these hardware companies would actually have content teams doing this. Um, but that's exactly what's happening. And so they're just, the content teams are just really excited that they don't have to do super personalized and custom uh, graphics, both motion and static for the customer anymore. They can just create templates and let the customer kind of have at them themselves. So one of the main reasons that uh, end users and solutions providers to some degree struggle with all of this in terms of content is cost. Uh, Agency costs are higher and everything else. And the idea of these kinds of tools is attractive for a number of reasons, but one of them is uh, this will lower my costs of producing content. I I assume you guys have done some sort of calculations to, to, to say to your potential customers, if you use our stuff, you can save potentially this kind of uh, money? Yeah. Well, ultimately, uh, not that we're in the business of replacing designers that you might already have on staff, but most of the time we're getting brought in in a situation where there's a design team. And currently what they're super focused on is super monotonous, non-creative work where they're taking a Photoshop file and making basic text changes and dropping in images. Uh, And there's, you know, think about the salary of someone like that and and what you're Mm -hmm. paying for. Right. We would say, okay, we're not trying to replace that person, but let's focus that some, that person on something actually creative that's going to move the needle for your business um, and not on this monotonous work that could absolutely be done by the user themselves in a templating, uh, in a mm-hmm. simple templating solution. And so that's how we'd approach it. And so when we talk about cost savings, um, again, you could think about the fact that, uh, you know, hey, this salary is gone, but ultimately we'd say, no, 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 let's just repurpose that salary to something useful. Okay. So do you want to go back to skill sets? What realistically do you need to use this? Uh, you're, yeah. you're going to be a designer or something already? Yeah, no, I would say, look, um, Canva is a really interesting thing to look at because Canva came on the scene and kind of showed everyone that um, a platform like this in the browser can be really easy to use and, and kind of we can remove a lot of the friction and difficulty that's been associated with um, you know static and motion content in the past. And so mm-hmm. Canva's really educated the market on what's possible and, and that anybody can kind of design following, template, following templates. Um, and ultimately, I would say, while we are not trying to be Canva whatsoever, there's clearly a lot of overlap in what we do in terms of a simple user interface, a really easy to create uh, you know, templating so, uh, solution. The big differentiation there is clearly that we're, try- we're fully white label and we're embedding this uh, into some proprietary solution typically in a way that really well fits into that ecosystem, mm-hmm. whatever it might be, um, in a seamless way. So how did the company get started? Yeah, absolutely. So what's, as I mentioned, right, digital signage uh, is relatively new for us and we're really excited about it. But ultimately, um, you know, we operate in other verticals. And so um, the opportunity originally was kind of more uh, like because we do in terms of media types, we support print, uh, even large format print. Uh, for instance, we were at ISA earlier this year and, and our mm-hmm. focus going to that was actually on like uh, more uh, you know, non-digital billboards uh, and things like that. Um, and that was actually really interesting, by the way, as an aside, because uh, on the plane ride uh, there, some people behind me were talking about um, now who one of our larger customers who's actually a major player in digital signage. And I was and it opened my eyes to, wow, this is a much bigger uh, company than I even realized. And they're having content issues. There must be lots of additional opportunity here. And so um, going into that show, again, we kind of shifted and pivoted. It's like, hey, you know what? Digital signage is actually a, a, a bigger opportunity than we thought. Um, but to answer your question, um, again, starting in some of those other media types, we just saw the need uh, for 
really simple white labeled uh, digital content creation, whether that's be for like ads, whether that's just basic social media graphics and posts uh, and basic print collateral. Um, there's lots of sites that that are just offering like, hey, I'm, you know, whether that's a printing website or whether that's, um, you know, an agency just providing content to their users, um, you know, content is content at the end of the day. And it can be all there can be all sorts of things. We've really just focused on how do we create a really consistent experience for both motion and static? How can we really seamlessly tie together even like print and digital content in a really simple to use easy editor? Um, and that has ended up applying to lots of industries. And it's been really exciting to, to find that out. In terms of the business itself, what would be the breakdown roughly um, of, of what you're doing for print, what you're doing for online, what you're doing for digital display, like digital signage? Is digital signage a, like a big component of it or is it just something you're trying to uh, educate the market on and grow? Well, yeah, I mean, honestly, um, like I mentioned, we've just gotten into digital signage recently, yeah. so clearly it's not a it's not a huge piece of the pie yet. We do have uh, very large uh, goals in digital signage, though we actually do see digital signage being a pretty decent uh, slice of the pie uh, within mm -hmm. the next two years. Uh, but yeah, as of right now, I'd say that we're um, it's hard because number of customers versus like actual revenue. We we a lot of our revenue is tied to digital for sure, um, and so there's a lot of use cases for ads, uh, social media graphics, things like that, that was kind of our bread and butter. Uh, we have a lot of print focused customers. Uh, the revenue is not as, as, as high there. There's just more of them um, quantity wise. Uh, but I would say that uh, both of those are fairly um, like, you know, client count evenly split, definitely skewed more revenue wise toward digital. Um, mm -hmm. And what's been really interesting is a lot of these digital focused, even with social media, they are the ones that pushed us into video, right? So like motion content as it pertains to digital signage, like, you know, we were already creating HD quality video, um, you know, just to try to serve that digital market well prior to even knowing about digital signage. So it's been it's been really interesting to see that a lot of the things that we've done can apply in other areas. And it's really just about how can we make a better mousetrap when it comes to uh, and user simplicity of content customization and then programmatic API first control of a platform like mm -hmm. this. Are you constrained at all in terms of formats and resolutions and, and, and things like that that are, you know, obviously day-to-day -day things in digital signage? Yeah, what's really cool is that from the beginning, we've kind of made it really easy to, to do basic resizing uh, and that an end user could actually resize. So if there's slight different, like slightly different aspect ratios, as we can obviously find very frequently uh, in digital signage, um, our algorithm will automatically kind of move things around for you and try to keep it, uh, you know, the design okay. kind of integrity maintained. Um, now that doesn't work perfectly when you have like huge aspect ratio shifts, like clearly if you're going portrait to landscape, it's not going to, you know, necessarily work as well. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah, we, we, it is a big component of this. And I would say that on the other side of it, on the programmatic side, we will have customers that will create different templates, uh, for slightly for different aspect uh, ratios. And then ultimately they'll use our API to populate all of them at once with the same data. So you're now spitting out a whole bunch of creative at one time, leveraging the same data, images, text, colors, all of it. Uh, and now you've just generated kind of a whole pack for, for users that might have signs of, of different sizes. Right. So in terms of outputs, you, you, you can do uh, HD video. Absolutely. Yeah. Now we haven't gotten into uh, 4k yet. There hasn't been demand um, it, it, because typically 4k is going to be created on, uh, and like professional desktop software, we yeah. can do it. And we, we are thinking we're going to get pushed into that. And honestly, it's just going to take one customer that kind of just tells us they really need it to, to pull the trigger on it. But, but yeah, absolutely. 1080p video we've been doing from the beginning. Are there any other issues around uh, the, the output files? Like you can do it. The, the video is 30 frames per 30 frames per second, that sort of thing. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we're trying to follow all the industry standards there. And okay. honestly, even if a client had very specific um, requirements when it comes to codex um, and it comes to specific quality of specific items, um, we're a very uh, customizable platform. Like we have settings for all of those things that we can match what you need. One of the mm-hmm. bigger things has been transparent video. Uh, so we actually are one of the few in browser tools that actually supports transparent video, which is difficult because there's, it's not cross browser. There's not one format that works cross browser mm. on that. Um, and so importing transparent video files uh, and maintaining them is, is obviously huge for like background removal and things like that. Um, but uh, that's been a big one because combining that with our support for Lottie files, which I, I mentioned Lottie files earlier, but they're mm-hmm. really, really exciting what you can do with them. Um, and that plus just kind of, uh, you know, sh- uh, motion clips that you've either pulled from our stock libraries or that you shot yourself. Um, mm-hmm. Putting all that together, there's a ro- lot of really cool things you can do and that, that are now attainable by an, a user who's not a professional motion graphic artist, right? So yeah, it, it's really cool what's what's possible now. For over a decade, ScreenFeed has been the reliable choice for beautifully designed, licensed content such as news and weather. We handle over 27 million requests a day to deliver dynamic content to 200,000 screens across the globe. Now we bring you ScreenFeed Connect, a no-code solution that makes complex content projects easy. Projects that used to take our designers and developers weeks became a to-do we could complete before lunch. The easy-to-use browser-based tool leverages pre-built data connections and ready-made widgets to give you the power to design with data. Create team member profiles, schedules, tenant directories, progress boards, featured products, or anything that leverages your data. Discover how Connect empowers you to complete projects faster at screenfeed.com. So I'm very curious about the programmatic piece, uh, and and I I think for people listening, it's important to understand we're not talking about programmatic advertising here. We're, yep, you're talking yep. about programmatic content creation, right? Yep. Yeah. And, and I will say the overlap there is we do have some clients that, that are in ads right? and they will actually use our, plat- our templating platform to create, a, do like A-B testing on those ads uh-huh. where they'll we'll pass in slightly different colors, slightly different copy uh, to generate a bunch of creatives at once. That's kind of our overlap in the ad space. But yes, we're not, when you talk about programmatic, I really just talk about programmatic content creation. Um, and right. the fact that with our API, you can generate all sorts of variations of content very, very quickly, including videos. We have some clients that don't even show our editor to the user. It's really just about, hey, I want to generate a video that's 15 seconds from this template where it incorporates the customer's brand, their colors, and their tagline and their company name. Um, right. And so spit this out and, and show them this. Um, mm-hmm. It's that easy, right? You don't even have to have them open the editor and do it themselves. Uh, can you give me a, a good example of how you could use APIs and data tables and everything else to uh, automate the production of a whole bunch of media pretty quickly? Yeah, absolutely. So if you had a, a, had a campaign that you were pushing, right, where you're really just trying mm-hmm. to get out consistent messaging um, and you were needing to do that, uh, again, I'll, I won't even limit this to digital signage because a lot of our clients will choose us because of the fact that we can operate there and, uh, you know, across their other marketing collateral at the same time. Uh, but the idea would be if the messaging is the same and you already have kind of branded templates uh, that are kind of the starting point for a lot of different uh, content you might be creating, Great. Pass in the mess, the specific messaging. Pass in specific keywords to generate images, or pass in the specific images directly. Um, let us fill all of those in at once and generate a whole campaign pack for you in one shot. Mm-hmm. What about for scale? Let's say uh, you you have a I don't know a retailer that has eight hundred locations across North sure. America, and yep. there's 
they want to be hyper local about the marketing or yep. messaging or you know here here's our our store manager for this location or whatever they have yep. a template they 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 want to knock knock out 800 unique versions of this uh or with, with some variations on it what kind of times involved in doing that yeah no it's a great question i'm glad you brought up that model because we were actually operating in the franchise space um uh, well before we even knew, you know, started looked into digital signage at all, uh, mm-hmm. because franchises specifically that have these locations all over the place um, had this issue with print, had this issue with social media that's been around for a very long time. And so mm-hmm. what they they were they were come to us because hey, we right now what what will happen is those store managers or locations are either one requesting individual personalized graphics from the, the corporate design team on a very regular basis and kind of um, and completely you know taking up all their time doing that. Or two, they're going rogue and building off-brand content, and it looks terrible. Uh, and yeah. the, you know, the, the marketing manager's finding it online and, and just pissed off, right? <laughs> so one of those two things is happening. And so where we would come in is, look, the, the only way that you're going to solve that is if you make it easy for them. Because if it's not easy, they're going to try and do it themselves. Um, or if they have to wait for you to do it for them, they're going to do it themselves, right? So the only way to do it is, hey, how do we make this such an easy process that anybody can come in and feel like, well, this is going to be the fastest way anyway, and it's also going to look great. Why, why not use that? Uh, so ultimately, uh, what will happen is, the again, the, the brand manager, corporate team, or whoever is going to create the template, ultimately that franchise uh, franchisee, that store manager, whoever it is, is going to log into the system and they're going to find the template if they just, and, and most of the time, these are super locked down, right? So like, hey, I have this this template and ultimately I just want to let the, the, the store put their store hours right here and maybe mm-hmm. some sort of sale information on a specific percentage discount on something, whatever that thing might be. And so literally the user is just going to click that, change the text and then export it, right? It, it, right. It's like, it doesn't take any time uh, whenever you've really focused on the template. So yeah, they can't go in and change it to Comic Sans or- exactly. Uh... Put yep. in a picture of their dog or whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, our, our locking feature is honestly, we spend a lot of time on it where you can take it very far. You can, most of our clients will lock down almost everything, but we've made it to where you have full control over exactly what users can and can't do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were talking earlier about Canva and there, there's a, you know, a, a few kinds of platforms out there that are, are variations on this uh, or, or do, sure. do some of what you're, you're doing. Uh, I'm thinking also of yeah. Promo and Shaker Media over in Korea. Uh, when you get asked about your company versus those kinds of companies, particularly Canva, what do you say? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's really interesting because, uh, again, we don't really compete with Canva. Like even their Canva for Enterprise solution, we don't really compete mm-hmm. with because ultimately customers are coming to us because they want this white labeled embeddable into their mm-hmm. own platform or make it seem proprietary. They want to have control right now. When you go to Canva, you have no control, right? They control the interface, they control the layout, they control the flow. You have zero right. say in terms of, of what the user then can do and where they can go and kind of, kind of go, go off and crazy and get lost inside the Canva ecosystem. We're mm-hmm. like the opposite, right? The whole goal of this is you make it what you want. You show exactly what you want. You lock down what you want and it looks like it's yours. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's why people are going to come to us. Um, a lot of overlap and functionality, like you said, when it comes to content creation uh, features and things like that. We definitely have focused on more of some of the more niche specific things that Canva hasn't. Like for instance, for print, we have full CMYK capability. Uh, Canva doesn't really, right? It's kind of a conversion mm-hmm. process for them, but we started, uh, you know, we swore from the ground up. 
for large format prints. We support really large format printing for like large banners and things. That's not something you're really going to do on Canva. Uh, for video, this idea that we can support like these these Lottie files and transparent video, like Canva just launched Lottie files, but their their implementation of it is really simple, where you can you can only only use like basic almost GIF type content. Mm-hmm. We've taken it way further. Uh, so. We just kind of go deeper on the more professional aspects and then, again, are more focused on the white label embeddable nature of it. You're going to be uh, – you have a, a booth of some kind at uh, Digital Signage Experience. I assume that you're there to start to build up partnerships and, and create awareness that, that you exist. If yes. I'm a uh, CMS software company, is probably the best example. What kind of work is involved if I say, this is awesome, I'd love to integrate this into my overall solutions offer and have it white labeled? Is that a three-month journey, a 12-month journey, or, or allocating five people to work on it for a month? Or, you know, just how, how does all that come together? Yeah, that's a great question. Now, we're really excited about DSE coming up. This is the first, first time we're even attending, and we're really excited to exhibit based on... Um, uh, again, what we've heard and, and kind of who's going to be there. So mm-hmm. um, super excited about that. And, I, and I'd say that when it comes to yeah, who we're trying to reach there and, and, and understanding how it would work to kind of work with us. Yeah. For like a CMS company, honestly, our messaging uh, that, that and you'll see this in our booth is all about like, hey, a lot of these we, we feel like have even actually tried to do some some level of content creation already as part of a platform. And so our messaging yeah. is mostly on like, hey, let's upgrade that. Let's make that a little better. Let's improve that inside your system because we can do that and make it still feel like it's yours. Um, so that is our focus uh, in terms of messaging to them. And I would say that in terms of the, the actual implementation for a company like that, um, we have a, a lot of walk before you run type uh, solutions when it comes to the integration. So a lot of our customers will actually start by uh, initially just using our kind of turnkey portal that we have out of the box and then mm-hmm. getting their initial customer buying on there and starting to create the templates that way uh, before actually doing the deep integration. Then while they're doing that, they're slowly starting to build the integration in and they can do a really basic integration um, where they're mostly just embedding all of our components um, in a simple way uh, and then facilitating fairly basic workflows. And then that's that's like a starting point. And then we would say that the next step of that is, okay, well, how do we incorporate some of the other data that you have in your CMS to do automatic population of content where we can take event-specific information or location-specific information, start injecting it automatically, um, leveraging our API. So like that would be like a second step and then how do we make sure that this feels seamless at every part of your workflow? Maybe that's a third step. So we would we would say that like a really basic integration should take a team one or two months typically um, mm-hmm. and just to get started. And then we would say that if you're doing something really deep, maybe a few months after that over time, starting to, to get it ingrained more and more. And, and what are the commercial aspects of this? Like if I am a CMS software company, I think this is really intriguing uh, What's it going to cost me to work with Design Huddle? Yeah, so again, being enterprise focused, um, what we found uh, is that there's no two customers alike. Um, we right. actually assign what we call personas to, to their end users. And we say, hey, we have some customers like their users come into the system once a year, right? And we have some customers where they're users in the system every day. We can't mm-hmm. pri- price that the same. It's going to be a little bit different. When we, when we talk about like API driven fully use cases where there's no like end user direct uh, interaction with our, like our editor. Um, that's a little simpler because we can just kind of price it based on like API activity and it's fairly straightforward. But when we talk about end users, no users are the same. And so we actually do a pretty 
custom proposal process for customers. And we dig into their specific use case to try to assign a persona to these users. But ultimately, the idea would be that uh, in a user-based kind of pricing proposal like that, the more users you bundle, the bigger bulk discount there is. And then we have like overage tiers where the cost per user gets cheaper as they grow. Um, the, right. the idea is that we're scaling together, right? And things get cheaper and you get more profitable over time. Right. But for, for the purposes of referencing this, I mean, I'm sure there are people listening thinking, this is really interesting, but is, is this going to cost me like a quarter million dollars or something? Oh, no. Uh, it, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's 500 for a starter, 750 a month for pro, and then you've got enterprise. And as you say, that depends on all, all kinds of variables. Yeah, and each one of those, just to be clear, includes a certain number of users, right? And, it, right. And, it would, and the number of users that's included, again, is kind of getting into what I was just trying to describe is it can vary a little bit. But yes, we're definitely not a quarter million dollar product uh, starting point, right? We have a basic setup fee, uh, which is usually in the low thousands and then, you know, in the hundreds typically for most initial engagements or, or low thousands. Right. And uh, for for that setup, that's because you're going to spend all this time working with the your partner oh, yeah. companies to we, sort out how to do this. We are very, very, very hands-on. I know a lot of companies say that, but honestly, for us, uh, it's a huge waste of our time to spend a lot of time with you up front, try to get it going, and then it not succeed, right? So we are we do everything we possibly can at the beginning of the engagement to make sure that you have the tools you need. We actually create like custom documentation for every customer uh, that lays out exactly what they need to do based on a consultation session where we talk through the specific platform, what they need to do, what they're trying to accomplish, give them tips and tricks and advice based on what we've seen successful for other customers. That's all part of it. In addition, to obviously, training for content creation, like getting your templates in the system. All of that is very, very... Um, front loaded. And, and so that's where our setup fee is about is really focusing on that initial time we're going to spend with you to make sure that this is successful. Yeah, I, I, I've certainly seen some setup fees from uh, software companies where I thought, okay, that's just a cash grab. But uh, <laughs> it definitely doesn't it, sound like the case here. No, it really isn't. Honestly, we probably, you know, it, we're, we're probably doing that at cost, to be honest. Um, yeah. And, and then the idea is that once you're in, uh, it's it's a great thing. Like as much as we make our team available around the clock to answer, you know, to always be around support wise, mm -hmm. like we hear, as you can imagine, less and less from clients over time. Right. So if we can make them successful at the beginning, um, they're really easy long term and we're just growing together and they're happy. Um, and and then, you know, all of our so all of our support costs is kind of front loaded for that reason. Right. Uh, you're a virtual company, West Coast. How many people are in the company? Uh, so yeah, we have uh, latest count is I'm about to hire another one, like like twelve or thirteen, relatively small. Um, okay. So, so uh, Canva's got like thirty five hundred or something <laughs> like that. Oh yeah, and it's and it's fun, right? We we're a really nimble team. My background is actually you know this is my second go around. My last company, you know, I took it to about one hundred and fifty employees before I uh, exited there. Um, mm -hmm. So we're still pretty early on in our journey here, and that's really really exciting for us because we see so much opportunity in this. I, I do expect this to grow a lot in the next two years. Um, but we are a lean team of, of, of seasoned and professional kind of software, uh, you know, professionals really. Uh, and, and we're able to do a lot with a very, with a fairly small team right now. And is this bootstrapped or venture backed? Yeah. So great question. So, um, I, um, my, my personal experience, I didn't have a great, uh, like we had, my previous company was actually started, um, in the like 2009 timeframe, right. Where everything crashed and there was really Perfect. no money going around. And so, the way that it was capitalized ended up biting me in the end and it left a bad taste in my mouth. So going into this uh, venture with all my partners, we really were trying to, to bootstrap this from the beginning. I wanted full control over how this was going to work. Mm -hmm. um, that said, very early on, we had a large company come to us and say, hey, we really want to use you guys, but we're too worried about whether you're going to be around next year. 
right? And so that company, Smartsheet, right? They own a company called Brandfolder, who was the one interested in us. Uh, Smartsheet's mm-hmm. uh, public company, you know, very large. Um, they ended up uh, becoming a small minority uh, partner. They did a basically a strategic round with us. That's a very small percentage, but ultimately it kind of gives a lot of people uh, a little bit of uh, more comfortability working with right. us because they're kind of our backstop. The only reason they wanted, you know, the only reason that they invested is really just to make sure that we were going to stick around uh, because they right. were going to be so invested in us. Right. So um, they're there for that reason. That said, we are fully, uh, you know, sustainably and profitable at this point. Right. So we, we actually are currently setting our own, uh, course, uh, we're, we're in a really good position. Um, and we're excited about that coming from, you know, again, my experience previously. Okay. So, uh, they can find, if, if people are going to DSC, they'll be able to find you on the exhibit floor. And, uh, I know yep. you're coming to the mixer, uh, and yeah, if they want to find you online, how do they do that? Yeah, absolutely. We'll definitely check out our website, designhuddle.com. Um, reach out, schedule some time with us. Um, we are you know, doing some of the DSE kind of promotional material. You may have just seen an email about us there where you can schedule some time with us at the show. Uh, but yeah, we would love to hear from you. We'd love to, to talk with everyone. Honestly, like I mentioned, we're excited to kind of learn more about this industry and get uh, kind of deeper into it. And we'd love to have all the conversations we need to to figure that out. Great. All right. Well, thank you, Dave. Uh, much appreciated. Awesome. Thanks so much, Dave. It was, it, was, it was a pleasure. That's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and maybe you learned a thing or two. If you're new to 69, it's a podcast that's been around since 2016. You can click around the archive and find hundreds of conversations with smart industry people. If you're new to digital signage, you need to be reading 69 at 16-9.net. You'll find more than 8,000 posts by me and expert guest writers about this industry. 169 is not a press release republishing mill, like a lot of this stuff out there. If something makes it on 169, that means it matters in some way to the business. Everything about 169 is free. Great sponsors make my work possible, and the key one here is ScreenFeed, the digital signage content store. Check out all the curated and automated content available at ScreenFeed.com. 16.9, the blog and the podcast, are now owned by Spectrio, which does customer engagement solutions, most of that digital signage, for all kinds of businesses. You'll find them in the Tampa area and online at Spectrio. That's Spectrio.com. You'll find me working out of a sunny back room in my house, located outside Halifax, Nova Scotia, on the east coast of Canada. Thanks for listening. I'm Dave Haynes.